This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. And I'm Lyle Southall and this is... Mon Galash with Encounter with God. We're going to be part of the 20 million movement this morning. 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time together around the world. And Mon, are you going to um, make it there? Yeah, I thought I was going to sneeze. But I think I'll just give you a clue for the quiz instead. All right, let's do that. Who am I? I was given away as a bride for the price of 100 Philistine foreskins. It's an interesting bride price. Yeah, how would you feel? Wrong. How would you feel? You, you've been uh, offered, you know, significant bride prices before. Yes. Um, have any of them come close to this one? And I how would, would you never. feel if uh, if this was the bride price? I would, in under no circumstances, accept that price. I'd be like, "You're going backwards." That's like minus brownie points. <laughs> so, so there's not going to uh, to um, equal what was it, fifty cows and and a block of land or something? Oh, like that? I can't even remember something like that. Anyway, um, yeah, who is the, who was this person? Who was this person? That was the bride price for this particular person. A very famous person actually won that bride price, and it was t- during a time of war and conflict. Uh, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call if you know the answer or text us on 0491-064-669 and uh, prize will be yours. What's, what's our prize today, Mon? Uh, let's make it a copy of Hero of Hacksaw Ridge. Hero of Hacksaw Ridge. There you go. A wonderful story of uh, somebody who was um, kind of the opposite of uh, the clue we just had. Yeah. He was someone for saving life rather than for taking life. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that you necessarily had to take life to get 100 Philistine foreskins, but Philistines being Philistines, I think that would have been necessary. Yeah. And it's weird because like the whole concept grosses me out, yet the guy who took the foreskins and won the bride is kind of famous for being handsome and brave. And it's like, oh, but... <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Uh, different times back then, and this is, you know, the, the Bible doesn't say that this was something that God looked favorably upon. That's right. You know, this is not something that is supported in the Bible. I think some people look at it as being favorable because of the times in Mm -hmm. which it took place and the person who actually carried it out. Mm -hmm. But this is not a case of the Bible saying, yeah, this is a good idea, you know, you should do this kind of thing. No, not at all. (laughs) Um, I think we would look down very much uh, down on something like that. Mon, what's the name of your car? Uh, The Unicorn. Oh, the Unicorn. The Unicorn car. The Unicorn car. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, what was the name of the car that you had before that one? Um, it's been a while since you've had a car. I had a company car for a long time. Did the company car have a name? No, just the van. Um, the one before that was Gertie. Oh, Gertie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm just wondering, we, we, we have... My um, first one was Blossom. Blossom. What was Blossom? Blossom was an 88 um, high ace. Okay. Tarago. Does it make sense? High ace. Is that two things? They're two different things. Okay, it was so either a Tarago or a high ace. It was a Tarago. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And it had a sunroof and a moonroof, and it was a lemon from start to finish. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my character comes from Blossom. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, wh- why do you name your cars? Uh, why would you not name your cars? 
Uh, well, yeah. Because I, I enough, clearly can't remember whether it's a, t- a Tarago or a Hyas. <laughs> I can remember if she was called Blossom. Interestingly enough, I think, and I'm trying to figure this out, but I think our family actually may have started the custom of naming cars. I mean, all of my dad's cars were called Gertie. They all had the same, you know, oh, okay. Gertrude. Well, I named Blossom before I met you guys, so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But they were always uh, Gertrude, and of course the. Oh, no, uh, sorry, I had Carmen as well. Ah, uh, yeah. Carmen in there as well. Uh-huh. Carmon, get it? Car- uh, I thought it might have been a Carmen gear. <laughs> no, it was a Carmon, Mon's car. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that one was a, what was that one? A Celica? Toyota Celica. Sports yeah. car. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so um, our cars have names. Mm-hmm. My dad's cars were all named Gert- Gertie or Gertrude, mm-hmm. and when they played up and broke down, they were called Gertrudis Mungarinus, <laughs> <laughs> which is the Latin version, of course, yeah. the full name. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, we have a little uh, Suzuki Alto, which is called Miley, mm-hmm. because uh, Miley Cyrus is a famous Alto. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and she gets good mileage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, we had a car named Norma, because Norma is kind of... An old person's name, and it yep. was kind of an old person's car, and we bought it off an old lady. Okay. Um, so that was where that came from. And then Shell has a classic, a 1958 um, Austin Cambridge A55, which is called Sadie Jane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sadie kind of suits the era. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Sadie Jane Austin, you know, <laughs> goes together. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe you just made a Jane Austen reference. Uh, one of my boys had a Suzuki Sierra called Billy Sue. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there was the famous Ahmed. You remember oh, Ahmed? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember Ahmed. <laughs> <laughs> Ahmed, whose steering gave out on you in the middle of the street one day. <laughs> yeah, the last just bolt fell out of the street. Fell apart. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, the steering wheel was just doing circles in your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Ahmed got the name because um, we, we bought that one. Um, we bought that one in Auburn from someone from the Middle East and then found knives and bullet shells and all kinds of stuff in it. So there's a, a very affectionately named Ahmed the Dead Terrorist um, who does a uh, a comedy act, and so that was where um, Ahmed got its name. That's the only male-named car, I think, that we've Yeah, had. I think so, yeah. yeah. Anyway, at the moment we have a car named Dorcas. So this was a long way. I know. It's, it, I was when I wrote wondering this, When I wrote this down on, on a piece of paper, I thought this would be shorter than this. I was like, this is this segue is going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be amazing. We have a car named Dorcas. Mm-hmm. Why do we have a car named Dorcas? Because you're a bit of a dork. No, uh, no, not because we're a bit of a dork. It's because Norma got stolen, and Dorcas came as a bit of a charity car for about six months. That's true. I remember that actually. Yes, and the name is kind of stuck. And Dorcas has continued to be a charity car. And has gone from one charitable cause to the next, to the next, to the next. And uh, is currently parked back in our yard, but is about to leave again on another charitable mission. Oh, where's she going? Uh, she's going to your yard oh, okay. for one yep, of your yep. housemates to use in uh, Bible work uh, in the Curry area. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Dorcas is back on the road doing good work. Dorcas has rarely been off the road doing good work, although she did get a major heart transplant there at one stage mm-hmm. uh, because I think one of the charitable cases uh, may have... No, that was the other one. 
we had uh, two Dorcuses there at one stage. One blew a transmission, one blew an engine, and um, this one is the hybrid of the two. Okay. So, <coughs> Dorcas. Why do we like the name Dorcas, and why would a charity car be called Dorcas? Yeah, as soon as someone hears the word Dorcas, you think of someone who's you know generous and does good deeds and is hardworking and self-sacrificing and... Yeah, that's the kind of imagery you get. It is, isn't it? Mm. goes along with the name Tabitha. Does it? Yeah, because that was Dorcas's other name. In <laughs> fact, one of those names was in, I think, Aramaic and one of them in Greek, kind of like Saul and Paul, um, two different versions of the same thing. Um, so you had Dorcas or Tabitha. And is there something called the Dorcas Society? There is a Dorcas Society, absolutely. I don't think it exists in Australia anymore. I think it's been taken over by ADRA, but in other countries that I've been to, there is a Dorcas Society that has been around for about 100 years and is a charitable organisation to provide clothing for people around the world. So how did the name Dorcas become so important in this regard? To answer that question, we are going to have to read our Bibles. Mon, could you turn in your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 9? And um, we might pick the, pick, pick the story up in about verse 36. Acts, chapter 9, and verse 36. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas, She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. That's a a really tragic uh, circumstance that has taken place here, particularly for somebody who is so well-known for doing good things. Mm. What in particular was she very industrious at? Uh, Doing kind things for others and helping the poor. All right. The Bible goes on and it actually specifies something, um, which we're going to look at in just a moment. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, so let's pick up the story and continue from there. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda. So they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. Okay, let's stop there. What was she in particular famous for? Uh, For helping people. In what way specifically? Clothing. Clothing, and and that's why the Dorcas Society that exists in many parts of the world today is a clothing uh, society, provides clothing for people uh, in less developed countries and in greater need. I've been to places where clothing is actually very, very scarce. Mm. People will get a piece of clothing and they will use that piece of clothing until it it literally rots off of their body. And a lot of the time, you know, the clothing that they were wearing was just sort of quite literally in the process of doing so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically just wearing a a, a few rags and it's like, you know, you'd actually do a whole lot better wearing traditional uh, grass skirt right now than uh, Mm -hmm. that piece of clothing. But, yeah, people people find a certain level of dignity, I think, and aspire to be Western and so they would rather wear Western clothing than to wear traditional clothing. Um, And so, yeah, that's what... uh, But this is what she was known for. 
She was a part of a Dorka society. Well, she was she formed the very first Dorka society by making clothes. Mon, you make clothes all the time. How many how many things have you made with your crochet needles? Oh, dude, I have no idea. I've lost count. I, I haven't. I should have kept record of them all, but I only started photographing them. I think after I made my first blanket. Okay. <clears throat> and how many pieces have you kept? I've only ever kept the very, very first one, the very first thing I ever made, mostly because no one would ever want that. <laughs> but no, I've, I've given everything away. So. Okay, so that's a really nice thing to do, and it's a very positive thing to do, and you're making a blanket right now, right? I am, yes, as to say thank you. So So it's a thank you blanket? Yeah. It's a thank you blanket, yeah. That's nice. Um, and so it's a, it's a blessing. And so I, I think in some ways you would be able to relate to Dorcas because you receive a similar kind of blessing to the blessing that Dorcas used to receive. Oh, it's nice. You make clothes. You get a blessing when you give them away. She made clothes. People got a blessing when, they, when she gave them away. What kind of people in particular was she ministering to? So it says here the widows in the upper room were crying and showing uh, the coats and clothes that she'd made for them. So clearly she was um, looking after widows, which the Bible instructs us to do, look after widows and orphans. That's right. Now, when the Bible talks about widows, uh, does that necessarily just mean that we look after Women whose husbands have died. No. No, the Bible word for widow simply means a single mother. Yeah, right. Yeah. And single motherhood, you know, was probably not that much less common back then as what it is now. Mm-hmm. Human nature doesn't change that much. Society doesn't change that much. And so when you're reading the Bible and the Bible reads about widows, um, it would probably be best, you know, I, I understand why the translators use the word widow. Uh, but it would probably be more accurate to substitute that word with single mothers. I reckon even single parents would be good. And I would appreciate that because I grew up in a single parent household, but not with a single mother. Mm. I grew up with a single father, mm-hmm. which is less common. Yep. But the challenges that you face are still just as um, significant. Mm-hmm. They're just different. That's right, yep. And so my experience growing up in a single parent home with a father rather than a mother, you know, it's 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 left scars that, you know, emotional scars and those kind of things that I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. I would be a different person if I'd grown up with a single mother. Mm. Uh, and so we do need to remember that there are quite a number of single fathers out there who are doing it tough as well and struggling to, you know, to provide for their children, to keep their own lives on track. Uh, to deal with the emotional stresses that have come into their lives for whatever reason it might be that they have become single fathers and that you know we need to recognize that they need every support we can give them as well we sort of think of about men as being you know more resilient and uh, better able to take care of themselves and their children but men are human beings as well we need to remember that and uh, men tend to be more forgotten in these kind of equations than women do, and it's not a healthy thing for our society. So we do need to look out for the men in this kind of environment as well. Anyway. So reading the word widows, just think single parents. Yeah, just yeah. just just replace that with single parent, and you've got a great example of what this is all about. Let's continue on with the story. Um, so far we have a story that is not unusual, in that, yes, people do fall sick and die, and Dorcas has fallen sick. She has died. Um, it is not unusual, but it is tragic. 
And so what do the believers do? Well, they do what people still do 2,000 years later. When somebody passes away, you go and call for the minister to come to perform a funeral service. I was at a funeral service yesterday. I was actually participating in a funeral service yesterday uh, for a relative of mine. Always a very sad occasion. Um, and, yeah, it was just sad. But anyway, so they, uh, the nearest, the nearest uh, minister at this particular time was Peter, who's over in Joppa. So they send for Peter, and Peter comes, and when he arrives, he recognizes that, yes, this was a person who was very well known and very loved. In fact, it was probably unlikely that Peter did not know who she was already. He arrives, he's there to do the funeral service. Uh, Lots of people are mourning for this person. They're expecting him to, uh, you know, the body's been all washed and cleaned and ready to go um, for him to conduct a funeral service, and instead he does something else. Uh, Let's read the rest of the story there, please, Mon. Uh, let me just find where I got up to. Uh, so they've just, showed, they've just showed Peter all the clothes that Dorcas used to make for them. And then it says this in verse 40. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers and he presented her to them alive. The news spread around the whole town and many people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a tanner of hides. Okay, and of course that was where Cornelius found Peter. So the two Simons living there together. Simon Peter and Simon the tanner living in that particular home. Okay, so this is a significant miracle, wouldn't you say? A huge, like the biggest one you could possibly do, really. Uh, how many resurrections do you find in... In the New Testament, post Jesus. Post Jesus. Post Jesus. One. Two. Two. Who's the second one? Oh, the Eutychus. Oh, the guy who fell out the window. Guy who fell out the window. Okay, okay, okay. Three stories up, cracked his head on the concrete, died. Paul raised him from the dead. Resurrections are not something that are common in the Bible. No. In fact, the Bible was written over a 1,400-year period, more than 1,400 years. And with that entire 1,400-year period, there are only, I think, eight recorded resurrections. Wow. So this is not something that is common. And a lot of Christians say, well, why don't we see more resurrections today? Uh, pretty much what you've got, if you look at the biblical model, is what? A resurrection every 400 years, something like that. That's pretty sparse. It's pretty sparse. It's not something that God does a lot, but it is something that God does do on occasions, and it has a great impact when it takes place. You do have a little bit of a um, a cluster of resurrections, I guess we could say. The, the You've got... Um, uh, in this New Testament period, because you've got the two post-Jesus resurrections, you've got the resurrection of Jesus himself, then you've got Lazarus, um, Jairus's daughter, and the widow of Nain's son, that all sort of cluster together. And then there's a few others that are sort of um, scattered in different parts of the Bible. This is not a common occurrence, and we shouldn't expect it to be a common occurrence today, but it is something that does take place, and it tells us something about the power of God. And so what we need to do is flick over in our Bibles to the Gospel of John and we're going to read about something here that uh, Jesus tells us. So this is, I think, John chapter 14. Let's try John chapter 14 and 
verse 12. John chapter 14 and verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down. 14 and verse 12, sorry. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to, because, what? hang on. Yeah, because I'm going to be with my father. Okay, so Jesus promises us right here that under his power, through belief in him, human beings will do greater works than what he ever performed. Anyway, we're going to continue on. This is Chris McClarney.
Welcome back, guys. That was Chris McClarney with Breathe On Me, O Breath of God. And certainly that's what the experience we need to have in our lives today. This was the experience that Paul Peter was having when he uh, prayed for Dorcas and she was resurrected back to life. What's the next clue for our quiz, Mon? Notice? Who am I? No, got, this one is a... Um, Hard one. This is an obscure one. Yeah, I think it might get a bit easier soon. No, it's definitely obscure. I think it'll be obscure all the way to the end. Actually, yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay. Uh I'm going to switch around the last two clues. Okay. So the second last clue, I despised my husband because he disrobed himself and danced in front of slave girls. Hmm, bit of salaciousness. That is definitely scandalous right there. Mm-hmm. It's funny because uh, when I read the story of this woman and her husband, it reminds me of the difference between... Um, I suppose like I, I want to say a cheesy phrase like holy love and then just outright passion because I think she was just infatuated with him and had this huge burning and like at the beginning of the story she's like so in love with with this with this guy with her husband and then by the end of it she's like despises him and hates him and it's like how do you get from from the, like how do you switch around to a th- total 360 anyway yeah because she was prepared to place her life on the line uh-huh. and this is another clue coming through here um, yeah. to defend her husband from even her own family. Before he was even her husband. I thought it was after his husband. Was it? Oh, so. I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. But yeah. Um, so that was that was where it started and, and then it ends up and uh, because he was... it was well known that she had a big crush on him before they got married. Because when he uh, danced that particular time, the Bible talks about how he was doing that to honour God. Yeah. yeah. He danced with all his might in honour of God. And she like opens the window and yells out at him how stupid he is. And he turns around and curses her and she becomes barren for the rest of her days. Yeah, it's a kind of one of those stories, isn't it? It's like, oh, this is, this is a, um, a very dysfunctional rela- – it becomes a very dysfunctional relationship. Extremely dysfunctional. Yeah, it's pretty sad. And it does, I guess in some ways, if, if nothing else, highlights the danger of jealousy. Mm, okay, yep. Jealousy mm-hmm. is a symptom – in a relationship of a very broken, dysfunctional relationship. So if you're going out with somebody and they are jealous in this kind of way, then break up. Yeah. It's just that's because if you don't, you are actually setting yourself up. You're in danger of entering a relationship that's going to become violent. A lot of domestic violence is based around jealousy. And I would, you know, and I spoke to somebody, you know, a few weeks back who was in a relationship where their uh, boyfriend was jealous of them, didn't like them talking to other guys, didn't like them dressing a certain way, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Just break up with this person because you are setting yourself up for a marriage relationship that is going to be centered on domestic violence. And now is your opportunity to get out of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, jealousy is poisonous. It is evil. It is um, it is a sign of you know great danger. It is is not a not a not a thing that you want to have in a relationship. And if you're struggling with jealousy, take it to Jesus Christ. Uh, jealousy is based on um, deep deep insecurity. Um, and so take it to Christ, and you know He will give you the victory over it. Amen. All right, moving on. Uh, we were talking about Dorcas and people doing great things like Jesus. I nearly said we were talking about this person. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about Dorcas and people doing great things for Jesus. The last verse that we read, let's read that one again, Mon, because it's very significant. The reason it's very significant is that when we look at the life of Jesus, a lot of people do not see Jesus as being a true example for us as human beings. Why? They see, like, yes, yes, that Jesus was our example, but, and there's always a but comes into it, but he was God. Oh, okay. Jesus was our example, yes, but he was God. We can never actually be like Jesus. Yeah, it's too high of a standard. Too high, yeah, yes, but he Mm -hmm. was God. Mm -hmm. Read this verse and tell me what this verse says. Okay, so it was verse uh, chap- John chapter 14 and verse 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with my Father. Okay. So Jesus could do great works, but we're only human beings. So we can't do those same great works. That's not what it says right here. What does it say right there? It says we're going to do even greater Wilderness of temptation. Mm-hmm. Can we do that? Can we overcome in the way that Jesus overcame? We can't, but um, using his power, we can. Through the power of God, absolutely we can. And you know what? When it comes to the yes, but, it's always to do with temptation. People never complain about, oh, miracles and this kind of stuff. It's always about temptation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, Jesus is our example in all things, except for when it comes to temptation. No, That's so crazy because he went out Jesus in the wilderness and got. Is our example in temptation as yeah. well? He got sorely tempted. Very sorely tempted. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, in all points, the same as us. And he hadn't been eating food for forty days, and people get like they lose their minds if they haven't eaten yeah. <laughs> since <Yep>. lunch. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so. Uh, this is an important point because then when we come down to the New Testament, we find that both Peter and Paul. Raise someone from the dead. And of course, Tabitha had been dead for a fair while. You know, they had her body all prepared for burial. Uh, they had to send people all the way to Caesarea um, to get Peter, you know, and then Peter had to travel back. You know, you got a couple of days here. Yeah, they don't have she's been, she's been de- she, No, no, no. She's been dead for a couple of days. They, mm. they, are, they are needing to bury this person imminently because if they don't, it's going to be very disrespectful to that person. And yet Peter and raises unhealthy her from the, for the community. And unhealthy for the community. She needs to be buried this day, the day that Peter arrives. And Peter does not bury her. Peter, Peter, through the power of God, brings her back to life again. And what joy that would have brought to that whole community. You know, it kind of, it kind of causes me to reflect on my own life in that I kind of think to myself, if I died, would people like, you know, plead with God for me to be resurrected because I was so useful to the community. <laughs> like, am I actually making this any is change? a really good point? Because I was at a funeral yesterday, and one of the things that I was cogitating on as I was sitting there in the funeral, how I've been to some funerals where there have been hundreds of people, mm. and I have been to other funerals where there's been like five. Yeah, 
And what's the difference between the two? Mm, mm-hmm. And what it comes down to is just one thing. Is just one thing. What's that? Big funerals are people who lived for others. Small funerals are people who lived for themselves. It is that simple, uh, except for obviously the the obvious one where people have you know lived to a hundred years old and they've got they've outlived all of their friends and relatives and there's nobody left to go to the funeral. I'm not yeah, talking about that yeah, kind yeah, of a circumstance. Yeah. I hope you understand that. But that is the difference that you find here. Big funerals where you've got you know a couple of hundred people turn up. You know that that was somebody who lived for other people. Mm-hmm. And the question is, how many people are coming to your funeral? And how many people are coming to mine? Mm. You know, what kind of a funeral will it be? Will it be something, um, you know, where, for instance, like with my great uncle George, where hundreds of people turned up because he lived his entire life for other people? And you know, I name him as uh, as um, you know being one of the inspirations for me and for my ministry and somebody that I've looked up to because of that. Just such a a great opportunity. Um, at other times I conduct funerals and, yeah, it's, it, it, it's kind of sad. How will we be remembered? Um, something we need to all take into consideration. What will, what will the history books say about us? The Bible speaks about it in Matthew chapter 25 that when we help out others and when we help out you know, particularly the vulnerable, vulnerable members of our society, single parents and so forth, that what we do to them is what we are doing to Jesus Christ himself. He relates himself to them. Let's live for others today. This is uh, the song, JJ Heller, What Love Really Matters Means. He cries in the corner where nobody sees. He's the kid with the story no one would believe. He prays every night, dear God, Please, could you send someone here who will love me? Who will love me for me? Not for what I have done or what I will become. Who will love me for me? Because nobody has shown me.
Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But now there's a new approach to help us be more forgiving. A program called Forgive to Live. It's designed to help us all improve our lives. You'll discover the healing power of forgiveness. A relationship breakdown, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. Through Forgive to Live, you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Happy Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5, designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. For the glory of the Lord, rise 
Welcome back. That was City Harmonic, City on a Hill. You're listening to Faith FM. This is Question of the Day time. We're going to have one clue for the quiz, and then we are going to go straight to Question of the Day. What have you got okay. for us, Mike? Uh, last clue. Who am I? David was my first husband, and my name begins with the letter M. Okay. Not M for Monica. No. Not M for Martha. This not, person is not more... Not M for Mary. Not M for Miriam. I think I've knocked out all the M lady names in the Bible now. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Okay. But okay. somebody in the studio has this name. Well, spelled a little bit different. Same name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same name. Same pronunciation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Lyle, question of the day. What is this? This is coming from a listener. I, I, I don't want to, like, I think the, okay, let me just say it. All right. Why isn't God answering my prayers? I have no idea. Uh, there are a couple of things that, would be worth taking into consideration. First of all, what is it that you are praying for? I read the story once of a man who gave his life to God in jail. Um, so he's in prison, and uh, he was actually in prison for murder, so he'd you know, done some pretty bad stuff. So he's in prison, and he gives his life to God, and he decides to pray. So he kneels down in his cell, and the very th- first thing that he prays for is, guess what, man? Any ideas? Uh, to get out of prison? A gun, so he could shoot his way out of prison. Oh, okay. I tend to think that that particular prayer made it about as far as the ceiling in his cell. Uh, probably stopped right there. So first of all, if you feel that your prayers are not being answered, then you need to ask yourself the question, uh, why? Is there a reason why my prayers are not being answered? Uh, the second thing is, how do you know that they are not being answered? In fact, all prayers are answered. It's just sometimes God says no, sometimes he says not now, and sometimes he says yes now. We always expect a yes now. We often come to God as being, you know, a bit of a Father Christmas God. And so uh, I need this, I need that. You know, we make, we make, we make our, uh, our prayer list of things that we need and we list them all off. And sometimes those are not in God's plans. You know, you think about Hezekiah, for instance. Hezekiah was ill. He asked God, "What is going to happen? You know, I need to. I would. I would like to be healed from this disease." He was a very righteous man, so God sends Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah the prophet comes and says, "Right, you will. You're going to die." Uh, kind of a blunt statement, uh, but this is a message directly from God. Hezekiah wasn't happy with that, and so the Bible says he turned his face to the wall and he wept and he played with God and said, "No, God, don't do this. I don't want to die." Now God had already told him, told him, "Right, you will. You're going to die." Does God know the end from the beginning? Does God know what is best for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if God says this is the best thing, then who are we to turn around and say, oh, no, 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 that's a terrible idea, God. Let's not do it that way. Anyway, this story is in the Bible as an example so that we uh, can learn from it. God said, okay, I'll give you another 15 years. And Hezekiah had another 15 years, and in that next 15 years, he made the most epic mistakes of his entire um, kingship, his entire reign, uh, invited the Babylonians in to see all of his wealth. Well, they came back and took it all. Uh, he, he had a child named Manasseh who became one of the most violent individuals that our world has ever seen. All of this would not have happened if Hezekiah had not asked for that extra time of life, if he had just surrendered to God and said, okay, I will accept your answer. And so sometimes God is going to say, no, we need to take our prayers to God. Yes, 
Absolutely. We need to continue taking our prayers to God because the more we pray about something, the more it gives God the opportunity to do something here on this earth. But we shouldn't question the answers that God gives because God sees the end from the beginning. God sees the big picture. We only see a very, very small picture, a little bit like Job. All Job saw when things happened to Job was that he'd lost everything, including his health, his family, his possessions, everything. But in actual fact, there was a big picture. The whole uh, loyalty of the universe was at stake in what was happening right there. We don't see that picture. God does. He knows what's best. Take your prayers to God. They will be answered with yes, soon, or no. Uh, but they will be answered, and they are always answered. Um, and trust God that He has what is in, what is best in mind for you. If you have a question, give us a call. One eight hundred Faith Faith FM is our number. It's one eight hundred three two four eight four three. If you have a nice long question, feel free to email it to us. Our website is faithfm.com.au and just use the contact us page. When we walk with the Lord In the light of His Word What a glory He sheds on our way While we do
That was Sierra Hull with Trust and Obey. You're listening to Faith FM. We've come to the end of the show. And Real Peace, Real Answers is the book that is coming your way today if you are able to be the first caller through on 1-800-324-843. Either that or text us on 0491-064-669. Be the first one to give us a message. And the Real Peace, Real Answers is coming your way. What's it all about, Mon? On the back of the book, it says this. As we go about our busy days, it's easy to stumble into worry, fear, or depression. Even as we experience the joy in life, we see the pain, the suffering, and the death. Is this all that awaits us in the end, or is there more to life than we usually see? Does someone look down on us with love, with care about our concerns? Is there a way to learn more about God and His plans for us? This book offers words of help and hope to all who are seeking to understand. Here you will find an introduction to a God of love, a God who has outlined a plan to save humans from pain and death. Here also are deeply meaningful questions and clear answers straight out of the Bible. Open your heart to a message of hope and find real peace Real Answers for Yourself. Give us a call. Real Peace, Real Answers by E.G. White. Uh, 1-800-FAITH-FM. First person through will snap that one up for themselves. Fantastic book right there. So make sure you give us a call. 1-800-324-843 and make that book yours today. Also, the number to call if you just want to learn some more about the Bible and do some Bible studies. We can set that up for you. Uh, one of our favorite things to do here at Faith FM is set up Bible studies for people. You can do them online. Uh, we can post them to you. You can study with a teacher. You can study them in a group uh, class. There's so many ways to study the Bible, and we are delighted to help you find which one suits you most. Or if you'd like to have more information on the concert coming up at Maitland Seventh Avenue Church, featuring uh, uh, Anna Beden, Sydney Wolverton, and Kemi Ogendi, three of our favourites here on Faith FM. So you don't want to miss out on that one coming up soon. So stay tuned. More information. Faithful Abraham was counted as righteous Called to dwell in a strange land Believed in the promise Look for a city Maker was God Through Him The blessing came to all the world Teach me to seek Thy face Teach me to love Teach me to walk by faith into tomorrow. Even though I don't see the path where thou leadest me, I am compelled. I am. 
faithful Abraham held not his own son. Offering foreshadowed the Christ still yet to come. Leaving that God raise him from death. Late it was stayed, ram died instead. me to see thy face and teach me to love thy grace and teach me to walk thy faith into tomorrow even Faithful Abraham, God preached the gospel. And obedience made him the father of the faithful. For the Lord himself had provided the land. Faith makes us children of Abraham Teach us to see thy face Teach us to love thy grace Teach us to walk thy faith in 
Tomorrow.